0: turbulence and um, the, the sign will come on um, to keep your seat belts fastened but just pray and ask God that he can just help us at the end after we've laughed after we've felt exposed that we could leave here different Jesus we love you God so thankful for what you're doing in this place thankful for what you're doing among the men and women and as well as the children God help us It's not enough just to be spiritually healthy. It's not enough just to be physically healthy, but God, we need to have healthy homes, healthy marriages, healthy relationships. Jesus, help us. God, to put away preconceived ideas and notions. God, help us to break habits that we've done for decades. Help us, Jesus, that not only are we married and we we have successful marriages, marriages worth imitating. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Marriage is a blessing from God. According to the scripture, God instituted marriage as the pinnacle of creation. On the sixth day, the book of Genesis tells us that God created man in his image. In the divine image, he created him uh, male and female. He created them. God blessed them, saying, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it God went on to say that it's not good for man to be alone, that I will make a suitable partner for him. A suitable helpmate was formed from the very rib of man, and thus woman was flesh of his flesh. So this means that the woman then is a man's equal in dignity and one closest to his heart. Because man and woman were created for one another, the Bible says a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. So scripture teaches that marriage is not mere human institution, but something God established from the foundation of the world. The Bible describes marriage as a special relationship between a man and a woman that is to be cherished and treasured. Solomon wrote to his son in Proverbs eighteen twenty two. find a good spouse, you find a good life, even more the favor of God. You know how long it took me, Sister Holly, to find a mess to find a translation that didn't say he that findeth a wifeth, a wife. <laughs> uh, if you find a spouse, in the Bible says if you find a spouse, you have found a good life and even more in the favor of God. God describes marriage as a wonderful relationship to look forward to. It's a blessing from God. He went on to write to his son in Proverbs five eighteen, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. This marriage relationship should be one that we can draw strength and comfort and encouragement, happiness and joy from. But how is that working out for you? Don't say nothing. Remember, you got an amen, ouch, oof, and a Those are the four you got today, so you you use them how you want to. Uh, This isn't to say that every day is going to be bliss without trials and struggles. Let's be real. We have enough fake church and fake Christians that we can actually be transparent and real that not every day uh, is perfect. But as you draw together and work together and face your challenges side by side, when you work as a team through the ups and downs, the building and the raising and the providing for a family, that we should be able to look back, like the Bible says, and rejoice, whether it's 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of that wife or husband of your youth. So no marriage is perfect, but there are things that we can do to give ourselves the best marriage and the marriage we have the best possible chance for success. So the four horsemen of marriage, this four horsemen of the apocalypse, and is a metaphor depicting the end times in the book of Revelation and in the New Testament. They described conquest, the white horse, wars, the red horse, famine, the black horse, and death, the pale horse, respectively. But this four horsemen of the apocalypse was coined by Dr. John uh, Gottam using this metaphor to describe communication styles that similarly predict the end of a relationship. So what are the four horsemen of the apocalypse in marriage? The over 40 years of research has shown there are some patterns of interaction in a relationship that are very destructive to love. The four things that really destroy marriages. Now if I would take a poll, I would say what destroys a marriage? You would say infidelity, pastor, adultery. Yes, yes, but those are all um, things that happen when we see the four horsemen. Well, what about physical abuse? Terrible. What about emotional and, 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 and or psychological abuse? All terrible. No one should have to go through that. But a lot of those things come out of the four horsemen. See, research shows that the four interactions, criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, or the silent treatment and contempt are very damaging to a marriage. Now I said it before that these guys are so good. This Dr. John Gottman—it was 40 years he's studied marriage—that if these four things are prevalent in your marriage, I'm not say a little bit, like, but if every time you talk to your spouse, all four horsemen show up at the dinner table, uh, you have about a 90% chance that you're going to get divorced. They have pinpointed this so good. If they come up to a to a, a, a husband and wife and they go for counseling and they ask how many years you've been married. They can predict how many more years you have left before you get divorced based on the way you communicate. So the church teaches us, oh, we got to be married. You better be married. You better not be doing that outside of marriage. Praise God. So we tell everybody you need to be married, but we don't tell anybody how to stay married. And let's be true. We tell people y'all shouldn't fight, but we don't teach people how they actually should fight. You know, hey, can you fight without leaving marks? (laughs) It can, can, if you're going, you're going to have an argument, if you have more than one human being living under one roof, you are going to have tension. You are going to have problems. But when's the last time someone said, if you're going to have problems, here's how you actually do it. See, the, four horse, the first horseman is criticism. I'm waiting. I don't hear any oomphs yet. I'm coming for you. I'm going to get one out of you. The, see, if we are frequently criticizing our partners, it's not a great sign. See, criticism is just a mild complaint or a critique. It's not just talking about an action someone did or expressing a feeling, but talking about that person's personality or character as flawed. Criticism is the act of noticing a problem within your life or relationship and turning it into a commentary of your partner's character trait flaws. You can catch yourself using criticism, all right? Well, pastor, criticism isn't good. How will I know I'm criticizing? You will use telltale words like always or never. You always, you never. I know y'all don't say that, but it's just not for y'all. This is for people watching on Facebook. You use words always or never when describing something your partner does or does not do. This type of criticism leaves partners feeling attacked, rejected, and wounded. These criticisms usually take the form of you statements. You never listen to me. You never help out around the house. You always have to be right. Criticism makes mistakes, even small incidents bigger, so much bigger than they should be, and paints them as a result of permanent character flaws in your spouse. It accused them of being such a bad person that they're not worthy of respect. So criticism inhibits addressing and modifying specific behaviors. Instead instead of offering suggestions as, as how they can improve, they actually just give reasons why the person will never change. Yes. Welcome to the library, C3. There'll be no talking today, just a lot of... Voicing criticism is different from simply voicing concern or displeasure. Voicing concern and displeasure are vital, important, healthy practices in a relationship. But rather than helping you and your spouse learn and grow, criticism is destructive. Because underneath criticism is a personal need. Y'all have seen like the onions, right? So, Sister Jenny, if you pull off... One layer of onion, what do you have underneath it? Another layer. Criticism, just the top layer. Underneath criticism is the real need. But we have a hard time expressing ourselves, so we need our partner to listen more. We need them to take on more responsibility. We need to not have them nag, or or we have to nag them to do the dishes. And when these needs aren't met, we feel bitter and hold grudges. So how do we do this? We need to define the difference between criticism and complaints. A complaint is not like criticism. Let me help you. A complaint is, a specific, is specific to a behavior you want to change. Criticism is an attack on the person. Can you give me an example? Oh, yes, I can. Thank you. Here's an example. Have You've discovered that a toilet seat is up. <clears throat> complaint. The toilet seat is up again. Please try to put it down after you use it. Criticism. What is wrong with you? Are you so lazy that you want to put down a toilet seat after you use it? One addresses the behavior. The second attacks the person. What's wrong with criticism? It's problematic because you're suggesting with criticism that the other person is really the problem. The problem isn't the problem. When you criticize, you are saying that you are the problem. Criticism is never helpful. And I know I've said it before, but I don't really believe constructive criticism because it's never delivered constructively. Go for a complaint instead. Listen to this. Put this on the title. I want you to start complaining. Some of the wives like, yes, Lord, I hear you, Pastor. Start complaining and stop criticizing. Here's the difference. You can work on the problem together if you complain. See, complaining is like kicking around a soccer ball. You know, it's it's like you can work on the problem. If you disagree, you kind of kick it back and forth. And what do you think? And, And you can examine more carefully. And then, okay, I think this. And what do you think? And I think this. Okay, what do you think? But criticism, you are not kicking around the ball. You're kicking the other person. They are the problem. What they did or didn't do is just more evidence for you of why there's such a problem. When you attack your spouse instead of the, their behavior, that's criticism. Mm. Complain about the behavior instead. See, is it, is, all right, I don't want especially to be honest in church because that's crazy. Um, is there anybody that ever uses the word you mixed with another word called always or never? Mm. That's how you talk. You never listen to me. And if you have a sarcastic spouse like me, like never, never means without exception. You always, always means every time without exception. So, but that's how we talk. People just, that's just average. It's just like, ah, uh, we always do that. How come you always? How come you always? See, complain about the behavior. Complaining requires you to be specific about the behavior you want to change. So let's just say I, I, when Mason's in the house, I always I use Mason. So if 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 Mason is mad at me, he said, Pastor, why you always gotta scream? Pastor, you always have to scream. Instead of saying, Pastor, you know you have a microphone, dude. We are not deaf. Um, I sure would appreciate it. I would I, I use I statements, not you statements. I would appreciate it if you would go like this when you yell. If you want to learn, I'm going to give you the antidote to this in a minute. Ditch the you and find an I. You know, when that happens, I feel this way. Instead of you always make me feel some kind of way. Okay, here we go. The masters of marriage complain. The disasters of marriage criticize. It can be really challenging to break a chronic pattern of criticizing when you criticize your spouse, listen what happens. And, he, and it see, we're gonna talk about the other horsemen. There's there's one horseman that is worse than physical abuse. We'll talk about it. That's coming up next week. What is it, Pastor? Come next week. <laughs> there's one, but there's stuff that you do psychologically you don't understand. When you criticize your spouse, like you always, you never, you 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 are criticizing. You destroy your view of them. And their view of you, and even the, their view of themselves. And the more you undermine them, the more they may have to respond defensively or offensively in order to protect their sense of positive self-identity. When you come at me with the you, be ready to fight. Pastor, we're in church. I know. I'm using nice words. When you come at me with the you always, I am jumping on you. Why? That, those are fighting words. Are oh, y'all saved now? Okay, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. When you criticize your spouse, you destroy. You destroy it. The vicious cycle only escalates, increasing in frequency and intensity. Because what happens when you criticize someone? You know what? You always. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, stop right there. Let me have a pen and a piece of paper. I want to hear everything you have to say. No, usually two things happen: a counterattack or our second horseman we're gonna talk about in a minute. So the cycle of criticism leads to defensiveness in the receiving party, eventually creating contempt, another horseman, for one another. So here's the antidote to criticism. Learn to complain. Often complaining is treated as a sin for criticizing, but it's not. But instead of addressing problems by attacking your spouse, which is criticism, complaining involves talking about what you need. It involves opening a line of communication between you and your spouse, helping them see your side of the relationship, or helping them see through your eyes. So let's look at a sample scenario. With your friends, your spouse decides to make a joke that doesn't reflect well on you. Rather using criticism such as, why are you always such an inconsiderate jerk? Why are you always such an inconsiderate jerk? Oh, thank you so much, babe. You know, you and always. How about saying, when you mock me in front of my friends... I feel belittled and humiliated. I feel, I, I, not you always. When you do this, I feel this way. In doing this, you help your spouse understand how their words impact you. Instead of launching an attack at their character, a legitimate complaint shows your spouse the clear line between their actions and its effect on you. The strategy is more likely to result in a positive response than criticism. We talked about there's two ways to, to say everything, right? We've, we've talked about this before. So I am, I'm, Jonathan, I'm basically on a, on a meat-based diet. <laughs> so let's just say you never had, do you, do you guys know what Eye is? It's like, it's like one over from a ribeye, half the cost, same taste. Don't start buying it because I need to. Okay, but chuck eye, tastes like a ribeye, half the price. So what if you never had steak before and i was like, oh, you know what, this is good. You'll love the chuck eye because it's just the right combination of fat and meat. And oh, you know, if you season it just right and oh, you know what I do now, oh, don't worry about the grill. The grill, that's so old school. How about the air fryer? Oh, who doesn't want to air fry my son's like yes dad uh, so in five to seven minutes i can make a steak that has an awesome crust but it's still how do you like it do you like it medium do you like it rare do you like it moving but however you like it, i'll make it that way it's so delicious medium rare your boy says i can say wouldn't you like to try it oh yeah or i can say you never tried chuck eye hit you in the face with it how do you want some of this there's two ways to say everything. Most of the time when marriage we smack people in the face instead of actually explaining to them what we would like them to do, what we like them to try, whatever it is, we we think we're saying something positive and we're actually hurting people. So, the strategy of complaining and not criticizing will reduce or will produce a positive response most of the time So you provide a path Towards empathy leading towards a healthier more intimate marriage when you could do this so let me break it down for you Let me recap. Can I recap all right criticism? What is it? You're attacking the character or question the attention of the other party? That's what you're doing So how do you fix it address the specific behavior without blame or attacking the person? so use I statements instead of you statements always and never use I statements what is the criticism? How does it look? You can't do anything right. Why didn't you do this? Why, why do you always or never instead of I know you meant well, but this is how your action impacted me and going forward, I'd appreciate it if you would. Oh, that sounds like being an adult. I don't want to do that. You always, you always, you always. <laughs> I said, complain, not temper tantrum. So criticism directs attention on the person, not the problem. The other person is made powerless and is more likely to respond in defensiveness or resignation. So how about this request that your needs matter and that the other party can make a positive impact? Specific requests make it easier for them to directly meet your needs. Be specific. We always talk about the old school, like, hey, if you're going to pray, pray specific. Like God has like a terrible sense of humor. God, give me a car. How about a 1980 Gremlin?" Mm. exactly why was that so pray specific you'll pray specific you will tell God how to God God you need to do this you gotta do this you gotta do this you got this this. you'll spend an hour telling God how to run the universe but you get mad at your spouse and can't express yourself Uh, I got an amen to come on you can use a come on too so we can do amen ouch ooh and come on five five okay we got five five responses today okay how about the second horseman defensiveness Y'all don't get defensive, do you? Nah. The second of four horsemen of the apocalypse in marriage is defensiveness. When you feel under attack, your response to feeling criticized is to get defensive. I say feeling criticized, not being criticized, because your perception is a driving force, whether it's true criticism or not. I always say perception is the reality. It doesn't matter what I really said. It's how you perceived it. So, defensiveness is an attempt to protect yourself, to defend your innocence, or to ward off a perceived attack. So, how do I know I'm getting defend- or defensive? Thank you for asking. You guys are participating so good today. When people get defensive, they might over-explain. Well, I would have cleaned the dishes, but when I went to clean there, there was no dish detergent. And when I went to the store, there wasn't any. And, and, and could you believe in having dishes started? Because I went to Food line, I went to Walmart, and I, I published, but I published so expensive. And they start over-explaining. Or how about they take on the victim mentality? You're always so mean to me. Well, what do you do with that? Or how about the counter-criticize? I'll start doing the dishes when you start mowing the lawn. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. We're talking about dishes, and now we're talking about lawn gardening? What? No, no, see, counter-criticizing. How about using the word but? I know the dishes are a mess, but can't you just ignore it for tonight? What's wrong with defensiveness? Defensiveness in marriage conveys the message that you will not be impacted or influenced by anything your partner has to say. Defensiveness sounds good. Be defensive. They're attacking. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. You know, I'm on defense. But in conversation, what you're saying is everything you're saying to me, I could care less about. Mm-hmm. You're saying, oh, thank you. Oh, come on. I, I, just, I just need to just on this side and that side. It'd be like tennis. I just keep going in the middle. So. You're saying they cannot have an effect on you. You just batted back whatever that is saying. Effectively, you're saying everything you're saying is a lie. Partners who feel that they have no impact feel discounted and often become angry into response to defensiveness. When your spouse comes to you, whether it's criticism or a complaint, and you respond by getting defensive, what you're saying is anything you have to say is not important to me, and they feel discounted and they feel like they have no worth. And so, what usually happens? Volume. You must have not have heard me the first time. <laughs> and so here comes the- Seattle. Don't laugh. We've been baptized today. <laughs> And then so we go on the attack, maybe because you didn't hear me, so I'll use volume and I'll start to attack you because you got defensive when I actually tried to do it right the first time. And so this is terrible. It might escalate the fight and insist on their perspective to get their point across and they'll get louder and louder and more aggressive. So don't discount what they're saying. Ask yourself, do they have a point? You know how to disarm somebody. If Mason said, Pastor, all you do is yell. All you do, you yell, and nobody can sit on the front row because you're spitting all over the place. I'm like, you're right. What else do you have to say now? You're right. But if I get all defensive, come on, Mason. You just say that because you like to sit in the back. You always sit in the back. Mm-hmm. See, see, now I turn his, his, I counter-criticize. Now, you always sit in the back. You know what? If you were more spiritual, <laughs> or I'm going to say you're right. See, the masters of marriage accept some responsibility for what their partner is bringing to them. Look, in every argument, there is some truth. Your spouse is not 100% lying. Like, I can't believe you sold my helicopter. Boy, you had no helicopter you broke behind. It's, they're not lying and making stuff up. There's some truth in it. So, so these masters of marriage, they don't, just don't count what their, spout, discount what their spouse is saying. They don't deny any of the cha- charges. Of course, it gets complicated, too. I've, I've mentioned sometimes you think you're under attack, but you're not really under attack. But it feels like it, so you get defensive. You know, has anybody said, I can't tell you nothing. Why? Defensiveness. You go from zero to a hundred in defensiveness quicker than Drake wrote that song. You go quick. Relax a little bit. Don't get so defensive. Here's an example of a defensive response to the famous raised toilet seat. Defensiveness. I didn't even use the bathroom. How could I let the toilet seat up? How about accepting some responsibility? I know you asked me to try to keep it down before, and, and, and I don't remember even being in there, but I will put it down next time. Thanks for the reminder. So there might have been a chance that I was sleepwalking in the middle of the day, and I forgot. Oh. I know, that's what everybody else wants to do, but they just, they're just holding it in. Mm. See, the ability to accept some responsibility, no matter how small, is a cure for defensiveness. You look, at, look for what you agree with, not what, what you, you disagree with when it comes to your partner. Listen to what they're saying. Now, man, I don't know what y'all hear when your wife just kind of goes in on you. But sometimes, have you ever seen like Shark Week where their eyes roll back, does to protect? Sometimes that happens to our ears. And we don't hear nothing you say we're just waiting to attack stop talking here comes the attack oh now y'all spiritual again look at your spirituality ebbing and flowing uh, so listen for what you agree with not what you don't agree with then you what you're communicating with is hey, i understand your point i hear you what you say matters hey, you know what you matter but defensiveness causes things to escalate super fast Attacked spouses will often use defensiveness as a tool to rede- reduce the sting of criticism. It also can be used to deny accountability, reject feedback because of how it was delivered, or an offensive ploy during conflict. So let's assume for a minute that your defensiveness is not in response to criticism. you That's just your default. You're just uncomfortable with the negative feedback that you're getting. Instead of accepting responsibility for your actions, you'll find yourself deflecting, diverting, or disposing of accusations against you. So when someone comes to you and says something, are you always deflecting? Are you always diverting? Are you always just disposing of accusations? See, defensiveness takes many forms, but at the end of the day, it's typically a refusal to accept blame or fault. That's what it is. While criticism is damaging, it's a damaging way of communicating. Defensiveness exacerbates, initiates a cycle of poor conflict resolution behaviors. What are you saying? Is every, if every time Nora said something to me, I got all defensive, how will we ever solve anything? You can't. And so what happens? Let's just say, all right, let's just say that I'm criticized. Ignore gets defensive. So that defensive discounts what I say, makes me feel unworthy, makes me feel rejected. And basically, what she's saying is a lie. So now I counterattack with something worse. Then she gets a defense. And how do you get out of that cycle? You don't. You know, do you have kids that don't like to swallow medicine? Y'all know kids? Do you know when we gr- when we grow up, the hardest thing for us to swallow? Our ego. It just won't go down. It won't go down. Someone has to be the adult. Someone has to do it. And so when you see this, this is what I do. I don't know. I'm doing stuff. So Jonathan, I did. I told my wife, baby, when you see it, because women, y'all got good vision. Y'all got like all kind of senses we don't have. All that kind of weird women stuff. And they know it's coming. My wife can see it on me before I even know I'm going to say anything. She'll say, baby, oh, thank you. She's saving me. But I had to say, look, baby, I don't even know I'm doing this stuff. When you see it, will you call me out? Now, men, are you mad enough to tell your woman that? Go ahead. Do it. I'll wait. (laughs) 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 You, you, You got to. It's not going to get any better, guys. Have you ever done stuff you don't realize you're doing it? Amen. I got an amen. So, my thing is that it it just there's some people don't like confrontation. I love it. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) that's number six. (laughs) So we got an amen. Ouch. Oof. That's right. And oh, yeah, <laughs> I love it too much. So when I feel that I am being attacked, I'm ready to go. And so my wife just said, baby, because I'm not listening. I'm, my, I'm not listening for what she's saying. I'm, I'm trying to feel for an attack. It's not. It's not. Most people aren't malicious like that. So if you have that tendency, guys, ask your woman to help you. Women, if you had the spirit of Goliath, send me a man so we can fight. Then you need to ask your spouse, baby, when when I'm doing it, when I'm doing it, let me know. Let me know. Okay. So, Lord help me. I'm feeling wild. So defensiveness. Defensiveness. Either makes worse or initi- initiates the cycle of poor conflict resolution behaviors. The defensive spouse will refuse to accept blame, and the critical spouse will refuse to back down and feel the need to accuse more severely in order to get through to their spouse. So, what's the antidote to defensiveness? Own what you can. Resorting to defensiveness involves avoiding responsibility at all costs. In some ways, this antidote can be difficult. Lord, I know it can. But rather than raising your defenses, you need to learn to lower your guard. Depending on where you grew up, you got in a lot of fights or no fights. That's just, just true. I know we're trying to be spiritual, but do you not live on this big ball called earth? You know, so and where you live... Where you're brought up, the people you you did a lot of fighting when you were young or no fighting? Yeah, Shawna, like I, I, I'm these hands are deadly. Sounds like I got some hands. So, so when you're attacked, you don't lower your guard. Why would I lower my guard when I'm feeling attacked? It's counterintuitive, I know, but you need to be learn to be vulnerable with your spouse. I'm not saying with everybody because the world is full of crazy folks. But at least the one you said, till death do us part. The one that forever and ever and ever and ever. So you got to be learning to be vulnerable with your spouse. When you hear a complaint or even a criticism, be willing to be honest about what you could have done better or differently. So instead of viewing this as an attack, see it as an opportunity to learn from your spouse's perfect, uh, Perspective. Because I remember, I, do you remember Pastor um, Williams and Sister Williams? They always used to say, if you want to have a perfect marriage, just try to outlove your spouse every day. That stuff works. But it will only work as you work it. So I try to outlove Nora every day. I get up, my like, girl, you're you going to lose. I'm going to send them sweet texts. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do, I, I do all that stuff. That's, that's corny. That ain't corny. That's staying married. <laughs> That's having a healthy marriage. You have a roommate that wears a ring if you don't do that stuff. That's what you got. (laughs) I don't want a roommate with a ring. I want my wife. So you got to learn to do that stuff. I don't even know what I was talking about. Y'all messing me up. (laughs) Squirrel. But it's counterintuitive, counterintuitive to actually let your guard down. But you're going to have to do it Not everything is attack. Why would you not want to see from your spouse's perspective? Here's the thing. Is that no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I try to give her that stare, I cannot read that pretty lady's mind. I try. So I'm listening on how to be a better spouse. I know you guys don't like this. And y'all can, if you follow on Facebook and you are subscribed, you can unsubscribe right now. That's fine. But I believe... That if God wants to speak to me, he'll use my wife first. I believe if God wants to speak to Nora, she'll use me. He'll use me first. But if everything she says is an attack or a criticism or I perceive it that way, why would I even listen? God sometimes is trying to talk to us, but because we don't know how to talk to each other, he can't get through. So why would I not want to have that healthy relationship? And so I can't see everything as an attack. Sometimes she has to say, baby, do you know what I think? Tell me. And she will tell me, and it's not what I'm thinking, nor do I want to hear. But I have to acknowledge she may have a point. And it may be, maybe, just maybe, it's God talking. See, I know it's counterintuitive. Especially if you're accustomed to being defensive. But taking responsibility for your part will lead to less and less conflict, never more. So let's just recap here. How are we doing? On time? We're doing good. Okay. So defensiveness. What is it? Self-protection and retaliation to ward off a perceived attack. Shifting the focus away from the problem onto the other person's flaws. Basically turning the gun back on them. That's what it is. So what do we do for the antidote? Accept responsibility, fully own the ways that you've contributed to the problem. Focus on your impact, not your attentions or the other actions. So we said it before, probably last week. I don't know, but if just if you've heard it before, just act like you haven't. We judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. I intended to. That's great. You still, I was I was gonna call you. That ain't the same as I called. You know what? I, oh, baby, I had, it. I, had, I had it planned for our anniversary. You had it planned, boy, but you didn't do nothing. So intentions are not the same as actions. So focus on your impact. How? See, what is defensiveness? The problem isn't me, it's you. That's defensiveness. Why are you always nagging me? Well, it's not like you're perfect. You see how it throws it back, throws it back. If everything your spouse says, you throw it right back on them. Does that ever frustrate you? Amen. You see how quiet they get? Amen. Don't don't hit me. No domestic violence. Don't hit me. Yeah, It's, yeah. Have you ever thrown it back on your spouse? Yeah. All right, be honest, folks. Jesus, forgive us. We still have to work on this line. We'll do that next series. See this defensiveness, this reinforces this me versus you instead of us versus it. It's always something. So it should be, when Nora brings something up to me, it should be her and I versus the thing that's bothering her. It should never be me against her. That's what it's supposed to be. If you can focus on the behavior or the, or the, whatever it is, the action, and not the person or their personality or their character, I promise you have a better marriage. Guys, you don't need to buy roses. Learn how to talk, man. <laughs> Buy roses too, but learn how to talk first. Because roses with criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt, um, you will um, you'll be divorced with your rose self. Look at this. All alone. So it reinforces <laughs> the me versus you. We don't want that. See, the other party feels dismissed and invalidated. They're, pro- they're prompting them to push even harder and thus reinforcing the negative cycle. The focus, the antidote, the focus is directed towards the problem and on how to practically move towards resolution. By owning one's own part, the other party feels freed and invited to own theirs. It's big boy, big girl stuff. If Nora brings something to me, it's like, baby, you know what? You're right. I messed up on that. That automatically frees her up to own her part. And now we can work on the it, on the behavior. Too many of us, we are good at criticizing. If I took the Christian filter off of your mouth, you could probably talk to somebody and say things to make a grown person cry. We are good at hurting people with our mouth, with our words. We are good. We can make Women can make a grown man feel this big. Men can make a grown woman feel worthless by the words that come out of their mouth. If we talk about, man, we're going to come on Sunday and praise and lift our voice to heaven, great. But don't raise your voice in the house. Learn how to talk. You know, this thing right here messes up more stuff than anything else. And it's not just, you know. It's how you say it. Now, ladies, let me help you one. Can can, can I give you a man's perspective? Just one. Is that okay? Just one? Just one? This is not an attack. This is just fact. Just because you have five children and a husband don't mean you have six kids. That, That might be cute to some people. Don't call me a child. I'm a grown man. You talk to them five any way you want to, you talk to me like a grown man. So if you spend your day talking to people this big, do not talk to your husband the same way. Thank you. I was waiting for one male amen. Why? What, what happened over there? You, did you say amen, buddy? Thank you. Uh, it, it's just a habit. It's a We don't even know we're doing it. Why? I work in construction with 249 other construction workers. If I talk to my wife like I talk to them men, I'm not talking about profanity. I don't use profanity, but we are a lot closer. <laughs> Why? Because construction guys don't understand. Hey, would you be so kind as to pick that up for me? They don't respond to that. But I can't bring that in my house. So I can't talk to my wife like she's a construction worker. And my wife can't talk to me like I'm a child. Now, women, I think this is cute. You know it's cute. This is, I'm meddling now. I ran out of notes. I'm meddling. Oh Jesus. But this, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, is the most selfish garbage i ever heard in my life. What you're basically saying, if I'm not happy, I'll make everybody else miserable. Please stop saying that. And please stop thinking it's cute. Oh, I got five kids. No, you have four and a husband. Because they, they might be nice. I told you I like confrontation. I am always ready to confront. It sounds cute. Men don't like that. Amen. See, the, the rustle, amen. So, learn how to say, I never call my wife my little child. Now, she looks like she's my child because she's this high. And everybody says, oh, you have such a beautiful daughter. I'm like, that's my wife, man. <laughs> she's tiny. She's tiny, but uh, she's a grown woman. <laughs> so they mess with me at work, like, oh, what, what a beautiful family you have. That's how, you have three boys and a daughter. problem. So, Let's work on this. Criticism, defensiveness. How are we going to fix it? Learn to complain. Complain about the problem. Don't criticize the person. As you stand with me, I'll give you some hope. As you stand with me. in defensiveness, accept some responsibility. You say, they say to every lie, there's a bit of truth. When everything you don't want to hear, there's a bit of truth as well. So, we need to accept what's our responsibility. What are we going to talk about next week, Pastor? We're going to talk about stonewalling or the silent treatment. And we're going to talk about contempt. What are we going to talk about for the rest of the month? Well, I'm going to spend two months talking about the horsemen. I'm going to spend, or spend two weeks rather, talking about the horsemen. I'll spend the rest of the weeks telling you how to have a great marriage. Is that fine? Because we can spend a whole year like how to get divorced, but that's probably not healthy. You know, here's how to ruin your marriage. (laughs) In 17 editions, you know, we're not going to talk about how to ruin your marriage for the rest of the year. What I'm saying is, is that I think all of us can learn to communicate better. Because if you take those four things, if you take criticism and defensiveness, it'll ruin a work, work relationship. It'll ruin a, a spouse or, or a, 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 you know, father, son, mother, daughter, you know, parent, child relationship. It'll ruin friendships. All it, it's, it's really called the four horsemen of relationships. But we're talking about marriages because it's February and Valentine's Day. So I'm going to try to get y'all communicating good before y'all go out to dinner. You know, at dinner and everything. So, um, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need four seconds of honesty in, in the house of God. Is there anybody besides me that might need to work a little bit on how they communicate? Praise God. All right. There's my four seconds. I need four more seconds. When would you like to start working on it? Now? awesome. I tell you what we're going to do. I want to pray for you. And as Todd sings, if your spouse is here, you want to pray with your spouse. Awesome. I just ask you, please don't leave without talking to God. We're going to have some baptisms and we're not done with church, but we're moving into the altar now. What is the most important part of the the, the message or or the service? It's not the message. It's worship an altar call. Why? That's when God works. I can't out-preach God. I can't outdo anything. All I'm trying to do is try to connect you to what I think the Spirit wants you to hear, and then I want to induce a response. Pastor, I need that. I need to work on it. Fine. Fine. Then find a place to pray talk to God say God thank you for the opportunity to realize that how I'm talking may just be ruining the very best thing I have in my life thank you for the opportunity to hear it now and not in divorce court thank you for the opportunity to hear it now and not when I'm on my second, third, fourth and fifth marriage and it looks like a cycle because I have a communication problem and God help me to not only recognize it but help me to get it better what do you say church as Todd sings could we find a place to pray